Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. You can be seated. Well, there's one more celebration. Pastor David's 75th birthday today. Happy birthday. (laughs) And uh, there's a a severe example of endurance, uh, resilience and longevity in the kingdom of God. And I uh, didn't start with a blast, finishing with a blast. So congratulations, happy birthday, Dave, and hope you celebrate extremely well today. Uh, greetings from uh, Pastor Lee. Um, Pastor Lee had a uh, knee replacement just before Christmas, uh, and uh, she's recovering. She's doing well. Uh, I, I became a carer uh, for uh, about four or five weeks. I was, I was doing 11,000 steps a day without leaving the house. Uh, so I didn't know how fit I would get by caring. And, um, but she's doing well. She'll be up and around. So she does pass her greetings on to you and wishes she could have been here. Here we are. 2024 has arrived. And uh, they just keep rolling along. And I know like every year it will have its uh, uh, particular things with like challenges and issues we're going to deal with. It's also going to provide us great opportunity to build the kingdom of God. And, uh, and I know if we have the right heart, the right attitude, uh, that we're going to see God move in a very powerful way this year already. Uh, at West here, uh, we're seeing so many new people come, and we've got to get ready for what God's going to do. This is going to be a big, big year for the kingdom of God in Brisbane, and especially this church. Uh, let's start by uh, getting ready to bring our tithes and offerings in the house today, our giving. You know, giving represents so many different aspects of God. And uh, one of the things that I know about giving, it gives me a picture of what God's doing in my soul. Uh, because what we underestimate is how holy our giving is. Um, I believe there's going to be uh, buckets go past soon. You can give by cash or checks. There should be ways to give on the screens uh, that will be up there. Uh, QR codes if you're into them, uh, giving stations or online with your phone, your iPads or whatever you do. So get ready to give. Uh, uh, giving to me tells us a bit about who we are as a believer because giving is always sacrificial. Uh, it means you've overcome some things. You've overcome fear. You've overcome self-centeredness, and if therefore it becomes sort of holy to God. I love the account in 2 Samuel chapter 23, uh, verse 15 through 17. And it's a story of David. They're in the middle of a battle with the Philistines. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and he took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord and he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went into jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. Now, if you get a picture of what took place here, it was like the, the, the leader, David, said, Man, I'm so thirsty, I need a drink. And the three of the guys said, You know what? We're going we're to serve our leader here. They overcome fear. They overcome selflessness. They break through. They bring the water. It is such a holy moment for David that they would lay down their lives to such a level. He couldn't drink it. He says, he pours it out unto the Lord. I want to tell you, when we break through fear and self-centeredness and bring our offerings to God, it is a holy, holy 
thing. And I see this picture just like David did. He poured it out. I want to tell you, when we bring our giving back to God, He is so overwhelmed by our courage that He pours blessing back out over us as well. So today as you give, it's not just something we do. It's a holy moment that indicates the condition of our heart. We've overcome. We're victorious. So would you get ready to hold that offering in your hand or in your heart? If you're giving electronically, would you pray with me today? Lord, as we come, we overcome the, the God, our enemies of fear and self-centeredness. God, we come to you in a holy moment to bring our tithes, our offering unto you, God. We place it in your hands because in our hands it's natural, but in your hands it's supernatural. And God, when you can do all things, we give unto you today. Holy, holy, holy is our Lord. We place our offerings in your hand. Pour it back over our city, our nation, to see the wonder of God come in another level. In Jesus' mighty name, and all that agreed said, Amen and amen. Let's receive that wonderful, generous offering today. And if you're just on the edge of it, maybe today is the start. So you know what? I'm going to start giving today. Just start today. 2024, just trust God. Break through self, break through fear, and you watch what God will do in your life and through your life. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I've been a pastor like David for a long time, and, um, and, and, and everybody I speak to wants revival. They want God to move. And it's almost like there's this cry, God, would you move? Bring revival. Oh, what do you mean I've got to get involved? Oh, you mean, you mean I've got to do something? Uh, and there's this, 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 this gap between wanting what God wants and then actually understanding what it takes to get what God wants. And uh, I thought as we start the year off, I could have called this message, We the Church. I could have called it that. Um, but I've actually called it Normal Christian Living. Normal Christian living, all right? Um, and I'm going to tell you that normal Christian living is not average Christian living. Let's start right there. Normal, it's not average. Average in the kingdom is subnormal. Uh, it's more than church once in a while. It's more than pray, yeah, when hell breaks loose. Um, Bible, yeah, I've got one somewhere. Uh, I, I'm sure I've got one. I pull it out every now and then. Or just doing enough right things to make sure that we keep the universal scales of justice balanced, you know, just enough right things we can make sure we get into heaven. <coughs> as far as God is concerned, normal, listen to this, as far as God is concerned, normal is dedicated, devoted, on fire, endure to the end, Christianity. <coughs> uh, and if we understand that, we get a different picture of what normal Christianity is. Uh, does anybody like oysters? Got any oyster eaters? If you're an oyster eater, you know a couple of things. Number one, you eat oysters when they're cold, out of the fridge. Number two, you eat oysters if they're hot, they're cooked, right? The thing oyster eaters know is that they never eat lukewarm oysters. <coughs> because lukewarm oysters have the ability, thank you, the ability uh, to make you vomit. <clears throat> so you know if you're an oyster eater, you eat them hot, you eat them cold, but they're lukewarm, you know, you know it's, it's risky. And, uh, and I want to tell you, that God has the same view about our dedication to the kingdom of God. Um, he says in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, I want you to read this with me. I know, that you, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Listen to that. I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot, all right? And I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will 
I, you know, I don't know what you want to be known for, but I don't want to be known as the one who made God vomit. Yeah, he's the one that made God vomit. He says, I wish you were cold. In other words, I understand if you don't know me, you're cold. He says, I understand that. But he said, if you know me, your position is not lukewarm, it's hot. So there's no in-between as far as God is concerned in regards to how we do this. And uh, so the kingdom, hot is normal, all right? Hot is not lukewarm. If your Christianity is to be anything, it's got to be everything. <coughs> if your Christianity is to be anything, it has to be everything. It's got to be the very center of your world where everything else revolves around it. It's not an add-on. It's not like, oh, we got family, business, sport, Jesus. No, no. The context of our belief system is that Jesus is the center of our universe and everything rotates around Him. And if that's the position, then He brings life and light to all the different areas of our life. He's not an add-on. In the kingdom, great is normal. <coughs> You'll have to forgive my coughing. I've been doing it all for a week now. And I've got broken ribs because of it, I think. Um, but I'm doing all right. All right, so don't worry for me. Just listen. All right. <coughs> so in the kingdom, great is normal. His name is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. He is not life limited. He is life abundant. He's not God of the possible. He's God of the impossible. The church as we know it was founded on these principles just over 2,000 years ago. And to see God's kingdom expand in our generation, we must not retreat into average or mediocrity right now. <laughs> there is a great need for the church to stand brighter than it ever has. We live in a, a society where the conditions of the world has become anti-Christ in its context. And unfortunately, that means it will under erode or undermine all of the civilization. Civilization as we know it is built on Christian Judeo ethics and values. And if that erodes, so does society as we know it. So it never has been a time for the church to stand bright and clear on what the answer is, because the answer really is Jesus. All right, so it's important we get to that place. Um, so we're going to make sure we're in that place <coughs> of bringing the kingdom of God forward. So let's read Acts chapter 2. So this is a bit of a history lesson, how we started just over 2,000 years ago. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods, and they divided them among all, as anybody had a need. So continually daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness. And don't you love that scripturally reference? You can eat your food with gladness. All right. Uh, with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. Listen to this. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When I ever, whenever I read this passage of scripture, uh, it resounds of activity, involvement, caring, power, salvation, influence. There's nothing average about it. There's nothing lukewarm. This is normal Christian living. 
This is great Christian living, which is normal Christian living. And, and I want us to see that, that, that if we're going to see God move like that happened back then, we've got to outwork. So a lot of the things that um, we see today have changed. We wear different clothes uh, to when they did back then, praise God. Um, we sing different songs to what they sang back there. But the foundation of the church has never changed. And in this scripture, it tells us what normal Christian living is and how it works. And when it's done, it is effective seeing souls added to the church every day. So let's have a look at this in that context. Now look at some of the things that, that I see pop out at me. Number one is they loved God. I mean, they were passionate about their God. They loved God. They weren't embarrassed by Him. They, they, they didn't leave Him to the side. He was the center of their daily lives. They loved God. Not like they love ice cream or puppies. There was a connection with God that was greater than just a feeling. They loved God. It says they were steadfast in the Word and in prayer. When you love God, you're steadfast in the Word and in prayer. In other words, there's a connection to God spiritually and through His words. They went around praising God, not complaining or whinging. They went around praising God. They loved God. He was the center of their everyday life, not just Sundays, but every day of their life. <coughs> they, re they realized at the end of the day, their relationship with Jesus was all they could rely on. He was their answer, their future, their freedom, their hope. Can I tell you today, you will never know God any more than you know His Word. Too many people are worshiping the God of their opinion and not God of the Bible. And you need to worship the God of the Bible because I'm going to tell you right now, the God of your opinion has no power. And I listen to many people, oh, well, Jesus wouldn't do that. Well, he did do that, actually. Well, God's not, well, as a matter of fact, he is like that. And they're, they're, they're preaching out of the God of their opinion. If you want to know God, you've got to know what the Bible says about God. The reason Christians are confused in wokeism in the days that we live in is you're not sure what the Bible says about certain things. And if you know what God says about things, you're not confused about what the world tells you. You've got to, you'll never know God any more than you know His Word. And you'll never love Him any more than the amount of time you spend in His presence. Just in that connection of worship, that connection of prayer. And whether you're saying something or not, it's an acknowledgement that He is who He says He is. And He can do what He says He can do. And I am His. So often I find myself in a car driving along, just saying to God, God, I bow the knee of my heart to the King of my kings, to the Lord of my lords. Let's be lovers of God. If the, if the devil can steal anything from you, it's passion. And you know what, what religion is? Religion is not uh, a church down the road with stained glass windows. Religion is what good people do, good people do when they lose their passion for God. Good people. That's what they, they're good people. They've just lost their passion, so they do religious activities. They love, they sort of love, they do sort of, they're there, but they're not passionate about God. I want to tell you, you'll never know God anymore than you know His Word. You'll never love Him anymore than the amount of time you spend in His presence. Normal Christianity, normal, is loving, adoring, and worshiping God. Second thing I noticed is they were connected to each other. They were connected to each other, all for one. One for all. Go the turtles. They, they're in church on Sundays, the Bible says. And, and they, they went to each other's houses, eating food together uh, with gladness. There's this sense of community. It wasn't just attending a church. It's being planted in the house of God. 
they had friends, they knew people, they were connected to one another. You know, my saddest, when I hear people say things like this to me, it's, it's like, oh, Pastor Mark, I can't find any friends. Uh, and my, my response automatically is to go into my head is, oh, you can't find them? Have you looked under the chairs? That's where we keep them. Like, people expect to walk into church and trip. Oh, look, I found a friend. You don't find friends in church. You make friends in church. And how you make friends is you care for somebody else more than you're worried about what people think of you. People that don't find friends are all about, why aren't they speaking to me? People that care about other people are saying, why isn't somebody speaking to them? And that changes everything. They, they, they understood the, the idea of community. I want to tell you that Jesus did not say, I will build my pastor and the gates of hell will not prevail against the pastor. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It's not an individual contest. It's we are stronger together every time. And together we can see the glory of God come at a whole new level. We must live connected to one another. I, um, I, I go fishing at um, Fraser Island every year. I've done it for 30-something years. Uh, and uh, we go up there with a group of guys. And, um, and, and we go fishing for the week. And it's a fishing where you catch a lot of fish at a short amount of time. Uh, therefore, it's, be- it's fishing off the beach. Uh, we've got a sack on our back. Uh, we've got a bucket full of bait here. Uh, you've got a long rod if you've not done it. And there could be 30 or 40 guys shoulder to shoulder fishing. And that's part of the It's sports fishing. It's not relaxing fishing, it's sports fishing, all right? And you can, man, if you throw over somebody, they just cut your line off. I mean, it's serious stuff. Um, and, and, um, and we were up there, and this particular time, a bunch of guys, I didn't know most of them, went out, we went out to a sandbank, and we were catching a lot of fish. And with Taylor, the fish we catch at that time, you have to bleed it quickly, so you cut its throat, throw it in your sack, and we caught a lot of fish, about 10, 12 guys. And um, anyway, we didn't notice the tide was coming in. And our sacks started to float. The bag started to float. Now we've got blood all through the water right around us. And uh, we all sort of looked at each other and went, you know, maybe it's time to get back to shore a little bit. And, and as we did, this huge fin appeared. Big fin. It was a big shark. And, and the dilemma was not that it was there. Now it could swim all the way around us. You have never seen a group of men get so close together in your whole life. There was no homophobic problems there that day. We got as close as men could get when still stayed married. That's how close we were to one another. Because we knew the safest place was in the middle because a shark would take the outside person. So it's fighting for the middle position. And as a unit, tight, we moved back to shore. I, I, I praise God that I wasn't out there that day alone. Stronger together. The strength of the church is our connectivity. The greatest, man, the greatest trick of the enemy is to get somebody offended at church and get them to leave the pack. That's always been the, I mean, I'll tell you to get hurt at church. Keep coming. Somebody's going to upset you. Somebody's going to let you down. I mean, we've been doing this a long time, Dave. Man, some, man every, Christians, are, I mean, you've got the enemy shooting at you and Christians are really bad shots. So we've got to understand that we get out here to connect to one another. If we grow alone, we grow weak and we grow weird. Grow alone, you grow weak and you grow weird. 
Jesus said, and I find this fascinating, Jesus said this, that they will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. So our greatest outreach program to the world out there is how much we take care of one another, how much we love one another, how much we're in this together for one another. That's the greatest thing we can present to the world because it's different to the world out there. Being connected in small groups, in friendships, in ministry together, in team, in volunteering, is doing life together. That's normal Christianity. Just normal Christianity. Third thing I noticed is they had servants' hearts. I, I love this. They had, and to me, if you were to say, well, what, well, what's a servant heart? It's, this is what it is. It's a whatever it takes attitude. Whatever it takes. What do we get? We get it, now, I, I mean, I'll, I'll do something. And uh, I believe this, that as believers, while we have breath in our lungs, we should have our hands on somebody else's life. There's nothing in God that's just about me or just about you. Everything in God is about me and somebody else. Everything about God is about you and somebody else. We're saved not just to get to heaven. We're saved to bring salvation to others. If we get a healing, it's not that God just healed us. Now He wants to bring healing to other people. It was never just about you. It was about you and somebody else. And I think that's significant. If we want revival to come, oh, you mean I've got to do something? Yes, you do. If you want God to move in a powerful way, you've got to be involved somewhere along the way. It's about what, what can I do with my treasure, my time, my talents? I'm here to serve. Uh, I mean, before I was in, got into full-time ministry, and it happened very quickly for me, um, I, I used to love Sundays, and I got saved, and I, I couldn't just sit in, I mean, it's not just I love sitting in church, I couldn't come to church and not do anything. And in a very short amount of time, even though I didn't know much about the Bible, I, I could greet people on the door. You know, uh, I would love to get up here and sing and dance and all that sort of thing. And <coughs> but I can't sing a note in tune. I can't clap in time unless I watch somebody else do it. I have no rhythm whatsoever. I'm not bound by music. I've been set free. <coughs> so I, I can't volunteer up here. But there's other spots. There's spots for us all. You know what? If I wasn't in full-time ministry, I would be running a kids' ministry. That's what I'd be doing. Because I'd pick a great team, train them up, and get them invested in training a new generation of people coming through. That's what I'd be doing if I wasn't what I'm doing right now. And, uh, you know, as we get into 20, this church is going to grow. We're going to need we're gonna need people up here who can sing. Tim and I are out of the picture. We're done. So we need people who can sing. We need people who can do tech things down the back there. We need people who can play instruments. Man, uh, you, if you can't do any of that, join the kids' team. Once a week, once a fortnight, once a month. Just make a difference somewhere. I mean, that, that, that's where I'd be going right there. But when I, was, I, I used to greet at the door, and it's a powerful job greeting. You don't, you don't understand how powerful this is. My job every Sunday morning, as I looked at people coming through that door, my job was, you know what, I'm going to have them ready and fit to worship the king before they get past me. And if they're feeling sad or down, they won't be when they get past me. They're going to be feeling excited. And, and I mean, you could tell couples that had a fight in on the way in the car. You could tell, you know, they're looking all holy, but you could tell. That, and, and I'm thinking, by the time they get past me, they're loving Jesus. And it's important because one time it was actually the pastor, so it was important that I did my job.
in serving, it's never about what shall I get. Serving is always about who will I become. And I want to tell you, in life, it's not what you get that's important, it's who you become that's important. And I'll tell you the scriptural principle in this, is that who you become attracts what you need. So don't chase, attract. Get good at what you do, and what you need is attracted to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added or attracted to you. In serving, we become the person, we grow as a human being and understand the significance of different roles, different things we do. We learn different things. And what we need, therefore, is started to be attracted. It's like I tell the young guys in my church. I say, man, don't chase the girls. Attract them. Have a shower. Every woman said, amen, and amen, and amen. <laughs> and it's the same in life. It's when we become something, what we need is attracted to us. And in serving, it gets us ready, not just for serving in church, but in life itself. It helps you be a better employee at your job. It actually, I've seen it get people jobs. Because people in church go, oh, I know you. You're from church. I've seen what you do. Come and work for me. And I think we misrepresent. When God asks us to be involved in service, not costing us anything. It's adding to who we are. Therefore, taking us into a bigger and better future. Unfortunately, some people serve, uh, uh, so they can serve their way out of serving. Like, that's the lower level. You know, like, well, I, I'll serve, but, you know, I want to be, you know, like uh, somebody famous or whatever. Uh, I, unless I've read it wrong, uh, I think servant's the highest calling. As far as I can tell, uh, it doesn't matter how rich you get, how famous you get, what titles on the front of your office, it would seem to me that the highest calling in the kingdom of God is being a servant. And it doesn't matter how rich or famous you get, if you lose the heart of a servant, you've lost what God's trying to do in your life. He says, well done, good and faithful. Not, yeah, not, not business, rich business guy. Not well done, good and faithful senior pastor. Not well done, good and faithful worship leader in skinny jeans. It says, well done, good and faithful servant and that's a whatever it takes attitude and we need to make sure this is how the kingdom started the church started and this is how we advance the kingdom have he gives us favor to all those around us we have a community that sees us as servants to our community the marketplace out there tells the community that we are servants in this community that's what it does so we must have that heart as well so we need this year to start to think about, man, am I loving God? Have I lost my passion? Do I need to get back into the Word? Man, am I connected to people? Am I alone on the edge? I want to tell you, in Africa, when the lion goes hunting, he's looking for the ones on the edge. You need to be in the middle of the pack, in the center. It's the most safe place there is from lions, sharks, and devils. Jesus never said, go and make Decisions of all, Naples, all nations, he said, make disciples of all nations. Because a decision gets you and I to heaven, but a disciple helps somebody else get there. And the last thing I want to share about this year, for you all and for myself, just to re-engage, is they engaged their world and discipled others. They engaged their world and discipled others. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 
so important we understand this. Again, this concept of discipleship is not just about me getting to heaven. It's about others getting there as well. And I, I want to speak to all the, the phlegmatics. And that's most of the room. Phlegmatic. We are not, I'm not the person that walks in the room and says, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. I'm not that person. Most of you aren't that person. When I get on an airplane, my first go-to is to get my earphones on so no one talks to me. My immediate response. So I'm not an outgoing person, but I do understand the need for me to reach out to people and to talk to people. And uh, so I take it as a sign that if somebody speaks to me before my earphones go on, God's in it. And so all for the phlegmatics here that aren't jumping around and going, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. Those people were still called to engage our world around us. And we can. I'm going to take the pressure off you in a minute. You're going to find it much easier. You're going to find it okay about yourself. I got on a plane one time, didn't get my earphones on time. And um, this lady turns to me and starts talking. She says, oh, yeah, okay. Um, and um, she, she's, she's talking. I said, oh, what do you do? She said, I own a jewelry store on the Gold Coast. And, oh, yeah, great. She said, what do you do? And it's never good to say you're a pastor. <laughs> you know, people don't know what to say to that. You know, they're just really, oh, good. Thank you. Uh, usually they put their earphones on, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, which is always good. Um, <laughs> but this time she did, and she yelled at me. She said, you're one of them. She went, hey, what? I'm one of who? What? What's going on? And she tells me the story of her son who had just what she called being born again. And she was so worried about him. She joined a, he's joined a cult and all this sort of thing. And anyway, so I got an hour on a plane talking to her about her son and his drug addiction. And God's probably going to heal that. She's going to be better for it. And we got off at the end of the plane. She gives me a hug and said, thank you so much for sharing with me about Jesus. And my son's going to be okay. Now, I never saw that woman again in my life. But a few months later, I get a phone call from a friend of mine who's got a church in New Zealand. And he's on the Gold Coast having a holiday, and he's in the jewelry store on the Gold Coast. He rings me and says, Mark, do you know a church down here at the Gold Coast? I said, yeah, I've got a friend down there. I said, why is that? He said, well, I'm in a jewelry store, and I've just led the owner of the jewelry store to the Lord. And I go, well, that's awesome. And as I'm thinking, honestly, hang on, a few months ago, I was in a plane, and I was speaking to a lady that owned a jewelry store on the Gold Coast. And this is what he said. Oh, you're that person. <laughs> that's, that's how, we all should be that person. That should be our goal was that person. It was never my job to get her saved. Take the pressure off yourself. It's not a responsibility to save anybody. My responsibility is to tell people about Jesus. Whether they respond to it or not has nothing to do with me. It's like praying for the sick. My job is not to heal people. My job is to pray for people. It's up to God to heal them. I'm not carrying that weight. And if you're going to be a person that engages your world, you've got to take the weight off you. It's not your job to get them to church. Your job is to invite them to church. Whether they come or not, it's an irrelevant concept. It's, man, Jesus said the harvest is ripe. We're, we're not here to convince or find ripe harvest or convince them to be ripe. Our job is to tell people, let the Holy Spirit do what He needs to do. So just go out and be excited about Jesus, be excited about your church, invite them along. If they don't come, it's okay. That's not your fault. Another time, I was at um, 
I was sitting in a Sunday night service, and uh, I, I turned around, there's two girls sitting behind me that I'd never seen before. And uh, so, yeah, and we did our worship. We did our, that, you know, where we greet, meet and greet for a couple of minutes there. I turned around and I said, how you doing? Well, they said, this is our first time we've ever been in church. And I said, that's awesome. They, this is what she said. Is this free concert on every Sunday night? <laughs> She'd never been to church. This, is this free? And I said, as a matter of fact, it is. It's on every Sunday night. It's free. You're welcome to come. And she says, you know what? The best thing? I said, no. We cannot believe we got seats so close to the front. Because at concerts, they're the money seats, the front row seats. We're going, we're right down the front. We can't believe this is awesome. And I'm going, these people have never been to church. And I, I said, how did you get here? Like, how, how do you know? Who do you know? Well, we don't know anybody. I, I said, what do you mean? We were on a, on a train coming home from university, and it was crowded. We're standing up. There was this young guy standing next to us. And he just started to tell us how his life had changed because of Jesus. And, and he goes to this church called City Point Church. And it's all happened. And I said, what was his name? He said, oh, we don't know. Oh, we've never seen him again. You know, I tell you what, Jesus said the harvest is ripe. Our job's not to find ripe harvest. Our job's just to tell people about Jesus. Because there are some waiting for you this week to invite them to church. And there might be 20 that say no, but there might be just the one that says yes. And that one is the one God is waiting for. They engaged their world. That's what it says. And they saw people added to the kingdom daily being saved. Today, I just want to encourage you. This is our opportunity for revival. Revival. God, send revival. And the next part should be, and use me. That's what I'm aiming at here. And use me. Not send revival. No, not me. No, not that one. I'm in, Lord. We've all got different skills. We've got different gifts. We've all got something to add to the kingdom. And I want to tell you, for this church right now, we need people up here that can sing and play instruments. And there, I'm looking at this crowd. There are hundreds of you who can do that here. Uh, there, are, there are bunches of you who can do that. And I'm going to tell you, there are, some, there are some great influences that can run and inform a generation of kids as well. You need to say, you know what, I'm in for kids' church just for this year. Just I'm going to give it a go this year, once a week, once a fortnight, once a doesn't matter. Go and say, you know what, I can make a difference. They, the church of then, right, they, they, man, they were happy and excited. They had great influence. People got saved every day, and they were disciples. Why? Because they loved God. They connected to each other. They had the hearts of servants, and they engaged their world around them. Normal Christian living. Not crazy, normal. God's not after crazy. He's after fruit, not nuts. He's, he's not after crazy. He's after people to get involved. And revival will come, and God will expand His kingdom, and thousands of people will be saved, healed, and set free. I want to close our eyes, bow our heads as I close today. Father, I thank you right now for every person in this house. God, some of them like me cannot sing a note. God, they can smile, they can make a difference, they can care, they can encourage. They can change somebody's life because something you gave them, you've already given them. Then we just got to use that. God, I pray we'd all see our part to play. While we have breath in our lungs, let us have our hands on somebody else's life. For that is the way of God and the way of His kingdom. Bless every person here today. Bless their families. Bless their businesses, their workplaces. God, their schools, their universities. God, pour out favor upon them as they go. The harvest is truly, truly wide. 
We come not to convince the harvest, but to talk to it. That's my responsibility. And again, being up here today, that's my responsibility. Before I close, maybe you're here today and say, you know what? I'm not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you used to be. Life took you in a different direction. Life can get pretty tough sometimes. It can drag us away from faith. But it doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been. Good news is God's not angry. He's not mad. He's waiting for you. He always has, always will. I, I don't know what you're facing right now. I, I don't know what problems or challenges are, are, are lining up against you in your future. But I do know this. The answer you will need to face every one of those will start and finish in the name of Jesus. He is your way forward. And the Bible says, if you believe upon Him, you shall be saved. If you believe upon Him, saved out of your past, saved into a better future, saved into eternity, saved, forgiven. So with eyes closed and heads bowed, say, you know what, I need to respond today. I, I want to I believe upon Jesus today. I want to recommit my life. I want to come back again and get on that pathway with God of my relationship. He'll forgive you of every sin, every failure, every mistake. You remember them no more. So right where you're seated today, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you say, you know what, pray with me. I, I want to believe today. I want to come back today. Would you just lift your hand? Give me a wave. Just right where you're seated today. Just give me a wave from the front to the back, from the left to the right. I just want to pray with you right where you are. So I'm looking one more time. If that's you right now, just give us a wave. Say, you know what, today, today. Thank you at the back, young man. That's a great decision right there. Powerful decision. Powerful, powerful decision. So look, one more time. Slip that hand up if you want to be included right now in this moment of prayer. Lord, as I looked, I saw that hand go up. But it's not what you saw. You saw that heart of your person, your creation open up towards you. Now a miracle starts to take place. We start to come alive again to the Spirit of God. You're going to love the boy so completely, entirely. You'll make him a son of the Most High God. You'll forgive him of every sin, every failure, every mistake. You'll never remember it again. He'll have a brand, brand new start. And your word declares, your word declares, God, that when one comes home, heaven stops what it's doing and rejoices. And God, I know heaven is rejoicing for this young man. And so do we here at City Point Church. In Jesus' name. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.